Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to AusBiz. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. I am Danielle Akuye. Let's check in and see who our two experts are for today's show. And joining me via Skype is Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets and Ben Clark from TMS Capital, who is in the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining today. Good to finally good to do a show with you. G'day, Carl. Exactly. Now, I thought we'll just take a couple of minutes to check in before we even do our stock preview. And just to get some views on this reporting season, I was just chatting off camera saying, to me, it seems incredibly volatile. But hey, Ben, what do you think about this reporting season? Yeah, I think it has been a bit more than usual. And I, I think that's been because 12 months ago, a lot of companies, well, most companies wouldn't give guidance to the market um, because there's still a lot of COVID issues flowing through their accounts. And there's a lot of uncertainty about how everything plays out. So the, if you look at the analysts kind of ranges, they're much more dispersed than we normally see. They're more, more normally more tightly bunched. And so that gives more room for some people to be disappointed or happy. And you're seeing that's why you're seeing, I think, these largest scale moves, even in big companies. Indeed, indeed. Carl, what about you? Uh, are, are you from a charting perspective seeing a lot more volatility? <laughs> are those candles doing more stuff? Oh, there's been some amazing candles over the last couple of weeks, Danielle. And I always say, look, earnings season, it's its basically, you know, wonderful things can happen and then horrible things can happen. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, technicals often give you a pretty good guide as to what's going to happen. Typically, you see uh, the, the stock break after earnings in the direction of the trend. But as Ben said, you know, there's some, there's some pretty funky things going on this earnings season with, I think, um, maybe short covering. I think a few of the early results that beat and saw big moves up sort of surprised a few um, investors, maybe a few, few of the sort of hedge funds out there looking to short. And then I think some of that noise from the short covering has sort of uh, ruined some charts for me. Maybe we'll go into some of them very soon when we do our stock of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if it was short covering. So there you go. You've answered my question. Now, the first five stocks that you have selected today, NIB Holdings, Illumina, Bank of Queensland, Brickworks and Challenger. A great list. But let's move to the stock of the day, which is Lovisa, often a favourite for the retail investors. And Lovisa posted profits of just shy of $70 million revenue hit close to $600 million and Levisa declared a final dividend of 31 cents a share. The jewellery retailer posted a 30% rise in sales to almost 600 million. Net profit was up 16.7% to over 68 million. 
and shares trading down 9.2%. So unlike Nvidia, which seems to have surprised to the upside and met those big forecasts, obviously, well, it seems, but let's ask our experts, that Levisa hasn't met expectations. Ben, how are you seeing Levisa? Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's one of the other Carl's on something I think there with a short covering. And, and another commonality I've noticed is there's been stocks where um, they've sort of turbocharged into the result. And I think everyone sort of thinking these guys are going to come out and beat and we want to be set before it. And you just get a minor negative and that's that can lead to the sort of the share wise, price reaction. Wise tech, been Wise like tech. Today. Yeah, Wise tech was one yesterday. <laughs> I'm still licking my wounds from that. Thanks, Carl. Yep. And um, yeah, <laughs> but this one, I like I actually think having you know i've only had a quick look at it we don't own levisa and it's been an outstanding success this business you look at those margins 80 percent margins wow um it does play into the current environment this business well you know it's it um sort of affordable furniture um jewelry uh it's doing a, a mass store rollout globally it's really hit on a trend brett blundy um is heavily involved in the business he's one of the best retailers in the country but the number came in lower than expectations, and I think it was the the trading update they gave for the first seven weeks of this year was quite a bit below expectations. Um, so that's going to see analysts downgrading their numbers for this year and um, softening that outlook. And part of that is the um, the store rollout seems to have come in a bit under, and then the sales in the new stores are coming under. So they've actually had like negative like for like sales growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go sell on Levisa because I think it's still um, it's it looks expensive even on what will be rebased earnings forecasts. Okay, a sell there, Carl. How how is the how are you seeing it? How's the picture looking? Yeah, look, I mean, Ben's covered all of the, the sort of the key points about the earnings, but I'll just talk sort of, sort of let's call it philosophically philosophically because I get a lot of questions from clients saying, hey Carl. This stock just reported the most amazing profit. Why is it down ten percent today? And the answer is, Ben alluded to, is it's it's not about the number that they got. It's about what the market was expecting that number to be, and the outlook is the main thing as well. So uh, Lovis is disappointed mainly on the not so much outlook because I don't think they gave us one, but it's mainly on that um, update of how they're going to kick off this uh, financial year. So the, the the market is a fickle beast. And if you miss by just a little bit, you can see big moves in the share price. And that goes for uh, on the upside as well. So don't just look at a billion dollar you know headline number and say it has to go up. That's not how the market works. Um, for Lavisa, we got dragged into this. And I say dragged into it. Uh, if you go check check my tweets uh, during the week, I had a bit of a discussion with uh, with my followers about whether we should add this to our to our short list of stocks we look at. And uh, just from a technical perspective, it, so it had had that huge run up, uh, which we participated in. We then got out of that and pulled back. And this was the first time since that pullback that we were looking to add some risk back to Levisa. It's just terminology we use. The way I see all investing is just is just risk. Every time you buy a share, you're not buying a share. You're not buying security. You're not buying safety. You're not buying a dividend yield. You're buying a ball of risk. 
understand that. Shares are risk. They're not safety. You know what safety? Cash is safety. Maybe we could say long-term bonds, uh, government bonds are safety, maybe. But cash is safety. Shares are risk. So we did add some risk to this. It was the 21st, 22nd, so last couple of days. And then we got tagged today. So for people that do follow me, we know what we have to do now. There's, there's no negotiation. It's just take our lickings and get out because the uh, candle that is created by today's uh, price move is uh, the opposite of what we want to see. So we would be what I call a zero risk position. That means we have no holding on La Visa. Now, if you do hold La Visa and you're looking for a buy, hold or sell for me, well, then th that implies with me not having any holding on La Visa. Therefore, if you've got it, um, you've, I'll let you make that leap uh, to, to, to connect the two dots together. Fair enough, but really good points covered there um, in so much. It's always about not so much what was in the rearview mirror, but what is happening going forward. But anyway, let's crack right into it. And our first stock of the day, picked by you, actually Terence, is NIB Holdings, sticker code NHF. Ben, health insurance, does this tickle your fancy? Yeah, I've, like the health insurance industry, I think is a good one to invest in. Like it's got long-term tailwinds in this country. We've got a, a growing population. Um, the way that our tax system is set up is that it heavily pushes or incentivizes people to take to insure themselves and um, you know it's a it's a pretty small oligopoly of businesses that control the market um, now um, NIB as with all the private health insurers um, had a, a, an incredible run during COVID because they were collecting premiums from everyone but the claims were through the floor because um, um, you know, we were all locked up at home or were staying safe or however you want to say it. And or if you had that elective operation that was coming up, it got cancelled and was pushed out. So um, we've gone through a few years where these guys have um, had, there's been very little premium growth because they've recognised the claims experience is, um, is, is low. That will revert this year, you'd expect. Um, so I think you'll start to see some decent premium growth. I mean, mm -hmm. we've seen Ramsey Healthcare report today. I can tell you the private hospitals are battling and mm. they will be pushing for price increases from the insurers who will then have to try and pass that margin on to their customers. Um, and look, I think the result, if you looked at NIB's result, it was solid. It reflects everything I've been saying. The outlook probably is one of normalization in this in this sector. But there's, you know, there's things like, um, NIB is the leading um, insurer of um, international travellers that come to this country, and mm. of course that's a big tailwind for them. I'm, I'm going to go a hold, Daniel. I, you know, I think 17 and a half times forward, and a four percent yield is probably slightly on the pricey side, but it's yep. about right. But I think it's a business that can consistently grow its earnings over the next five years. Is there a preference between, because Medibank Private yeah. uh, reported today, is yeah. there a preference between the two stocks here? I think they're much of a much as, I actually think Medibank, we actually bought into a bit of Medibank when they had that- um, Tumble yeah, with the, big, the data hack. Yeah, mm. with the data hack. Mm. So that was, they resolved that. I don't think anyone's handled these things well, but they, I think they resolved it reasonably well. Um, um, they're very similar businesses. I think NIB's got a skew to younger policyholders and Medibank's older, right. um, who are more likely to keep those policies so their churn rates are lower. Uh, yeah, but I think they're, they're both gonna be probably pretty good investments, solid going forward. Fair enough. Uh, Carl, what do you think uh, about uh, NIB? 
Well, uh, something we should point out as well is I think Ben and I have very different timeframes as well. So Ben, I, I don't want to speak for you, Ben, but Ben's yep. looking more lo longer term than me. Yep. So viewers should understand that as well. So if I say something's a sell and Ben says it's a hold, doesn't mean anything. It just means I'm looking in the short term. So I'm more, I'm more technicals base. Um, Medibank or NHF uh, or NRB, NHF, depending whether you want to call it the ticket code or the name of the company. Uh, I think Medibank's probably the better of the two technically. Uh, but yeah, look, I don't think I want to own um, NHF just at this stage. Uh, the big, uh, the the move it had after earnings. Interestingly, the move it had on earnings was pretty good in terms of the technicals. You know, generally quite a big white candle. Um, it started to push back off its long-term trend ribbon. If uh, viewers are familiar with my ribbons, you'll know what I mean. And then that big black candle, I'll give you the date it came in, was the 22nd of August. So what that tells me, those big black candles is so important. Huge supply and just demand that just ran away. It just didn't want to get in the way. So we've got a problem. Again, it's a, it's a short to medium term problem. It doesn't mean there's something wrong in the long term. But just uh, if you're a short term trader, that matters, if you mm. get what I mean. Um, so no, it's it's not one for me right now. I, if, if I, It's one of those, again, I would say I have no reason to be in it. If you want to imply that means sell it, I'm happy for you to do that. Um, if you do have it, I could give you just one little level you could hold on to. If it closes below... 764 then i think that it's in real trouble um, as long as it stays above that you know if you had it you can hold it fair enough okay i love the way we're all getting a lesson in your charts as well uh let's move on to the second stock which is a lumina ticker code awc picked by flora and i'm just having a wee peek at that share price chart and it looks <laughs> pretty grim ben <laughs> yeah this is this is such a tough business because the earnings are so volatile. Mm. Like it swings between losses and profits. It feels like, you know, like a pendulum. And not um, for the faint-hearted, hey. No, it, it, it's not a business I would invest in, Daniel. I, I, I guess I would say, historically, after these sort of periods, it is probably time to get interested in it um, because I think inevitably the profit will bounce back. But if you look at the result they just reported, they made a loss for the for the year. Um, they've decided not to pay a dividend. So although the consensus has got it on a 5.8% fully frank forward yield, they've actually haven't paid one. So it just mm. goes to show how vol you can't rely on that. And um, you know what what's happening with these guys at the moment is they're quite a high cost producer. Mm -hmm. The underlying commodities they sell are very volatile, which is why the income's volatile. Um, and what we've seen is the alumina and the aluminium sh um, price have fallen quite markedly in the last 12 months and their costs have gone up. So they're, they're barely scratching out a profit out of those operations. And it's for me, it's a sell just because it's not a business that I want to own. Um, short term, like Carl might have an opinion here, it could be a buy, I suspect, but it's not a business I want to own for the next five years. Fair enough. Uh, Carl, uh, a trading buy? A little, little... No. 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 <laughs> no. No. No way. I mean, let's get the chart up and you'll see why. It's This is the opposite of what I want to own uh, as, as a person who's basically is selecting from a potential risk in the market. And that's all I do. I say, do you want to add some risk here? Do you want to add some risk there? And I want to add some risk on stocks that have momentum. That is 
my uh, primary philosophy, because I believe that if there is some momentum that is upward price movement, it's not happening by accident. It's not happening because the market went crazy. It's happening because there's more demand than supply. And I assume that the market is quite sensible uh, in their approach about assessing the health and ongoing health and future health of, of these companies. And as Ben said, I mean, they just cancelled their dividend. That's not good. Uh, they just uh, they've informed the market that their negotiations with the WA government to access the higher grade ore is ongoing. And it went from, oh, look, we, we're probably going to get a decision decision soon to um, we're not going to get, we don't know when the decision is going to be. So you're probably not going to get any relief from this anytime soon. Uh, so the corollary, of course, of buying stocks that are, that are going up is selling stocks that are going down because there's so much uncertainty and, and, and doubt uh, with respect to their business models that the people who own it are selling like crazy. And then even as it does get cheap, and we get taught it, 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 when we go to university, we do Economics 101. We get taught that when uh, the price comes down uh, on something, that the demand for that something should increase. And yet we could see here, as the price gets lower and lower, the demand continues to run away. What does that tell you about the something? Um, so no, this is an absolute sell for me. Fair enough. And as I said, not for the faint-hearted getting into some of those uh, commodity stocks. Let's move on. Our third stock is Bank of Queensland, picked by Mark Dickercode BOQ. And Mark said, US banks have been volatile lately. Are we going to see the same volatility here? Well, one could argue we certainly haven't had a lot of great performance out of Bank of Queensland, have we? No, it's been um, been pretty poor. I mean, I, I think I'd ignore what US banks are doing. It's mm. a very different setup in America to Australia in terms of banking. Um, Bank of Queensland has had a series of management issues uh, with their chairman and their and their CEO. Um, never great when you've got management instability and that instability kind of remains. I think they were looking for a new CEO and the stand-in is, just, I think he's staying on. So I'm not sure about that. Ultimately, Bank of Queensland is the only bank listed that has a shrinking mortgage book. Its mortgage book's actually contracting, so that's not good. Um, its margins are under pressure because I think as these fixed rate loans are maturing, um, people are going back and saying, I'll, I'll leave if you mm -hmm. don't. And it's just not a level playing field in this country. Um, the regional banks, it costs them more to borrow money, but they have to try yeah. and match the big banks' rates. And so their margins are lower and they get squeezed during competitive environments faster. Having said all that, um, it's trading on 10 times forward earnings and a yield of 7% fully franked. So I'm gonna go a hold just because I think everything I've just said, the market is completely onto. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's it looks cheap. You know, CBA is trading probably on nearly double the multiple. Mm. Uh, so, and warrants a much bigger premium, but I'm not sure if, doubles right so I, I i'll go hold yeah not a value trap they can be i mean that's what you've got to always ask yourself i mean i wouldn't be buying it at this mm. this price and we don't own bank of queensland but if i was in it i think at this point i would stay in it mm -hmm. because i think we are seeing some signs that the competitive environment amongst the banks it is starting to moderate and that should be good for the smaller players fair enough carl do you like bank of queensland 
I don't mind it, as in I don't hate it. Maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Um, the trend is not great, uh, so it's a long. <laughs> pardon me, I lose my voice here. Long term downturn. That's earnings season, by the way. Just uh, just constantly, you know, talking to clients and media and uh, and 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 everything that's going on is it's absolutely insane. I can't wait till it's over. Uh, Bank of Queensland, <laughs> honestly. Uh, Bank of Queensland, long term downtrend. Um, traffic light system. It's flashing red, so mm. not yet, okay? But the short-term trend has turned up, so that means we, we've got something to work with. I think if it starts to push up, maybe towards 6.30, 6.40, I could start to get interested in it. I know that's counterintuitive. Hey, Carl, why would you wait till it becomes more expensive to buy it? Again, it, it's the momentum coming in to tell me that doesn't matter what I think, the market's starting to like it. I don't mind banks right now as a group. We have actually added some risk back to this um, sector over the last few weeks, and I can go a hold on the others. So your CBAs, your NABs, your Westpacs. Uh, I think the best looking bank from a technical perspective, and again, I've no interest in the fundamentals, but purely technical perspective is Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. So this is the one that I would uh, happily buy right now. Um, It's one we've been adding to over the last couple of weeks. And if you don't have it, I could buy it. Fantastic. Okay. Our fourth stock is Brickworks, BKW, picked by Jake. Uh, So, Ben... Are you into building material stocks? I, 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 we own Brickworks and have for years and, um, and Sol Pats, which owns half of Brickworks. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a cross relationship there. Um, this is a great business. And um, if you look at their North American operations, we are seeing a, um, a, a turn up um, as the US has been going on a big house building mm-hmm. spree. And I think you're going to see the same in Australia in the next few years. We have one and a half million people moving here. Um, the federal government, I think state governments are acutely aware that there's a lot of people struggling to pay rent and buy a house. And the only real solution to that is to build more houses and apartments and they will need bricks. And so I think there's kind of the shackles of being taken off potentially some of the, um, you know, the planning processes and councils and all these sort of things where there's a lot of red tape. So that should be good for the core business. But the thing about this company is it's a land business. It's not really a brick business. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, it owns huge blocks of land on the outskirts of major cities across the country. Um, it will mine clay out of those holes for mm-hmm. 15 or 20 years. The sprawl will pass. They're not allowed to build resi on the, um, on, once they infill the land, but they are allowed to build industrial um, properties. And oh, okay. they have this incredible relationship with Goodman Group um, where oh, they, um, yeah, so Goodman yeah, develops yeah, yeah, this yeah, land on yeah. their behalf and there's a, a profit share agreement between wow. them. Wow, so and it's basically a land banking stock. Yeah, mm. and I think the land is under appreciated by the market, mm. but it kind of always has been, mm. <laughs> but it's a good backstop. So um, buy Brickworks for me. Okay, there we go, a buy. Carl, do you like Brickworks? I do like Brickworks, yeah. Ben makes a good point there. You know, the the what he called the core business, which is your bricks and your roof tiles, is only about ten or eleven percent of uh, overall earnings, and the vast majority of that now is their their property and property development uh, part of it. So, 
you kind of look at this in the same boat as, say, a Goodman Group instead of maybe a Borel or a CSR. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think uh, the, um, the valuation looks uh, pretty attractive here. So I've got a fair value target of 27.86, which allows about 6% upside. Now, that's based upon yesterday's close. The brokers, where are they? They're at 26.61. So my target's a little bit more bullish than the brokers. The brokers are at a buy. I'm also at a buy just based upon the technical. So it's one of those where the technicals and the fundamentals come together for me. And uh, it's one, again, we've been uh, adding, uh, well, we, we were buying uh, quite happily sort of through April, May, June. Um, we have we did take some off the table there through July, because you, you see the chart just pulled back a little bit. And that's just the way my model works. So whilst it's going up, we're adding. When it starts to go down, we, we, we take some off the table. And it's just starting to tick back up again. So again, it's been in my um, my shortlist, my daily Twitter shortlist as a buy for a few days now. So happy to continue to add risk here. Oh, well, isn't that exciting? We've moved from, exactly, from double sells to a double buy. Well, that will definitely make the team happy. Let's go to the fifth stock, which is Challenger, picked by Anthony, ticker code CGF. Now, Ben, if there was a time for Challenger to be doing well, this higher interest rate yeah. environment surely must be a period when uh, they're coming good. Yeah, look, um, Challenger's had a, we own Challenger. It's been a really difficult journey, I would say, as shareholders. <laughs> this, is, this business has given me constant headaches over the years, but I really feel like the future is looking brighter than I can remember it for some time. However, so they, they, they delivered what I thought was a solid, strong result, you know, sort of 13% earnings growth, outlook for double digit earnings growth in the coming year. I think it masks what's going on within the business. And what's going on within the business is this company for the past five years during a period of ultra low interest rates was heavily reliant on institutional flows mm. into their annuities books. Mm. But their short term, you know, like we, Uni Super, we wanna buy a one year annuity or 10 month annuity, and they're low margin because their volumes are so big. Mm-hmm. And the they're losing flows out of that as the big guys are finding different opportunities out there, but retail's coming in because they're seeing rates that they couldn't have believed a year ago. Right. Locking up 5% plus for the rest of your life in yep. a lifetime annuity. Yep. There's a lot of benefits for Social Security-wise. So what's happening is in their book, although the book's growing, but it's not growing that rapidly, but the, the quality of the book is significantly improving. It's getting much longer dated and higher margin. And so that's going to mean that future earnings are going to be more reliable, I think. Yep. And, and, um, and I think that warrants a higher PE than 12 times, which is what Challenger is is trading on. Buy Challenger. Buy. Cool. It's funny, Australian the Australian market still coming to terms with the concept of annuities. Yeah. It's it's not it's it's not all investors really are across them, are they? No, and look so the, the, one of the issues they've had, Danielle, there's always been a reason to stick with Challenger. It's been the problem I've had. The Royal Commission caused chaos for the business mm. because what it led to, the Challenger didn't do anything wrong and they weren't involved in it, but we saw this massive exodus of advisors out of the industry mm. and mm. we saw a lot of people moving from this place to this place. Mm. And annuities are something I think you need an advisor to explain, explain. to someone yeah. why it makes sense to do it. And because there was such... You know, it was so tumultuous for yeah. several years there. 
probably it's unlikely someone is going to ring up Challenger off their own bat and say, I want to buy an annuity. Mm. They've also got onto Hub24 and NetWealth, which has become the category killers in wealth. So, um, yeah, I think it's something that does change as these rates change. Interesting. Carl, how does it look to you from a chart momentum perspective? Uh, yeah, it's a very tricky one. Um, I, I like, like Ben, I like, I like the business and I agree that it's kind of their, their bull market now with rates so high. And maybe part of the problem in the past is it's just ownership of the four big banking stocks in Australia is just so high. So, you know, like your retirement uh, plan, if you're an Aussie investor, is not to go buy an annuity, it's to go buy four big banks and then try and cream off that dividend yield yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. But um, now, now is the time where you can actually, uh, because banks are, again, big balls of risk. I oh, know banks are safe, Carl. No, no, banks are stocks. Stocks are risk. Um, but now you can actually do this in a in in, in a very low risk fashion. Uh, and I tell you what, boomers are loving the current environment. Everybody's saying, well, how hard people are doing it. But I'm sure boomers are loving this. And um, yeah, look, I mean, the growth profile on this is very, very good. Uh, and I think the valuation is quite fair at this at this level here. So I, no no questions uh, for me on that part. It's just the chart. The chart is frustrating. Every time I get excited about Challenger and I call it a buy, inevitably it goes down um it just it just trades in this range between mm. sort of six six bucks and eight bucks um it's it's come off six it's now pushing back towards eight so on that basis i can see a reason to own it so the way i, I look at this is do i have uh, what i call a full risk position which is you know what i intend to invest on a particular position in my portfolio or do i have a, a variation thereof so i think you have some skin in the game on this i'm going to say you've got at least a third of your typical full risk position and actually today's candle looks very attractive to me if it can close and i'll give you a number so if it can close let's say above 695 uh, then I could actually add some based upon today's candle. So I, I reckon you've got some, you've got about a third and adding another third of that position today on today, if it does what I said, and then you could probably add that final third to be in your full risk position by 720. Now, I hope this time it breaks through the top of the range at 780, but uh, we'll see when we get there. You know, Carl, you just made my my whole concept of how I'm going to frame that as a a hold, but possibly a buy <laughs> if it breaks above. So we're we're not we're not at a double buy just yet. <laughs> uh, no, well, look, I think you've got some in the game, and uh, I can't give you a buy until I see where it closes today. And that's that's just my model, and I have to stick to my model. Absolutely, totally get it. Okay, let's run through some of these uh, well stocks and the rundowns we've had. First of all, stock of the day. Before I get to the five stocks, LaVisa. Uh, so both Carl and Ben made some really good points here about how this earnings season is panning out. And here is a stock sites, Ben, that had been turbocharged into the results, a bit like WiseTech. And it, nothing wrong with the results, but if you look at how the stock, how the business is actually trading in the first seven weeks, well, it's looking soft. The rollouts aren't great. So a sell from Bell, uh, Ben, and also a sell from Carl for LaVisa. Now let's crack on to the five stocks picked by you, NIB. So on uh, both both the commentators, the experts like this stock, Ben uh, thinks there's good tailwinds, our tax system is supportive, um, there could be some premium growth coming through 
Uh, at the moment, he has a hold recommendation on it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, also Carl wouldn't own it at the moment, uh, but no reason, n no reason to hold it. But he did say if it closes above 764, and I stand to be corrected on this one, Carl, you possibly do like it a lot more. Moving to Illumina, neither of the expert guests like that stock today. Ben making the point, highly cyclical, highly beholden to the vagaries of the Illumina and the aluminium prices. Big cost pressures there, no dividend in the results, a sell recommendation there. And Carl, no momentum, uh, not just too much uncertainty, so a sell there as well. Moving to Bank of Queensland. Uh, so looking at that one, Ben, just make the point, no point in comparing our banks to the US banks. We've got very different beasts. The problem for regional banks like Bank of Queensland is that it's very hard to maintain the mortgage books in the face of competition from our big banks because the big banks get much better pricing in terms of getting the funds available, the cost of the funds available to lend out. So Ben said probably at 10 times forward earnings, 7% yield, everything's discounted, so it's a hold. Um, and in terms of Carl, he does like Bendigo Bank. That would be the buy in the, at the moment in the banks. And he does like the banks generally. Um, and could see short term, it may move up to around, this is, I'm referring to Bank of Queensland, around uh, $6.30. So may see some upward momentum. Let's move on to Brickworks. Very interesting. I definitely learned something here. So Ben holds it as he holds Sol Pattinson's as well. Great business has exposure to the US housing market, which does have a massive housing shortage. So there is some cyclical tailwinds in terms of home building in both Australia and the US. But what is most interesting is they have these large land banks where they actually take the clay in these land banks around our big cities and they can't develop them for housing. However, they have an agreement with Goodman Group to develop industrial centres, which I thought was really interesting. That's the bulk of the earnings driver for Brickworks. So a buy from Ben and also a buy from Carl. So uh, fundamentals and the technicals coming there positively. And having a look at Challenger, which has been challenged due to low interest rates, but is the tide turning? Well, yes, according to Ben, he owns it, he holds it. Um, it, in fact, he would have a buy on the stock. You are looking at a transition from institutions holding the uh, shorter term annuities to the retail market moving in, particularly through the Hub24 and NetWealth platforms as Australians embrace annuities, long term 5% returns, higher margin business um, for uh, potentially for Challenger. So a buy from Ben and then for Carl, uh, tricky business um, because Australians tend to just hold their banks and uh, but it's a good growth profile and uh, he would not have a buy at this stage a hold but should it move above $6.95 you could add to Challenger. Okay now the call is tracking our own high conviction fund which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into August index was replaced by AUB. The committee spent 
on cash, 1% went each on Seek and Altium and ProMedicus. And let's see how the portfolio is performing. And our fund is 6.74% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. And you never know, after reporting season, things could move it up. Now, let's get on to the stock preview for the next five stocks of the call. And we have GQG Partners, Technology One, Cube, Altium and Flight Center. So to change it around a little bit, our sixth stock is picked, that is picked is GQG Partners, uh, ticker code GQG, picked by Wayne. So Carl, do you like this one? Uh, look, it's it's not, uh, well, I guess, look, you're not investing in the, the fund. So it's a fund manager. It's a boutique fund manager. It's got uh, four different funds there, a global equity fund, an international equity fund, emerging markets fund, and a US equity fund. Uh, so you're investing in the business that runs the funds. Uh, so I was about to say, oh, look, philosophically speaking, I like to pick my own stocks and therefore I don't buy fund, fund managers. Um, but, you know, you're investing in a business ultimately. Uh, which is doing quite well. Um, they uh, have had a bumper last six months on the back of, well, let's face it, all of those markets rising substantially. So if you've got uh, a US uh, equity market fund and US equities are up, uh, I don't know what, 30% from the start of the year, um, you're going to have uh, a, a lots of uh, performance and earn um, lots of uh, performance fees from that. You're probably also going to have a bunch of uh, inflows as people start to say, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to miss out on this run, so I better get invested. Um, but, but their performance has been very good, not just uh, in the last six months, but over the last five years, they, you know, top top quartiles of all of their um, performance metrics. Uh, so on that basis, they seem to be doing quite well. Uh, in terms of the valuation, uh, the, I must say the stock looks actually quite cheap, I think. Um, I came up with a fair value target of $1.67, so that's 12% upside. Uh, the brokers think it's way better than that. The brokers, uh, and this is Thomson Reuters numbers, not mine, uh, $2.17. So that's 46% upside mm, based mm. upon broker consensus. And the brokers are out of buy. I've got five brokers giving me um, estimates here. So there's no red flags in terms of the, the business, the business model, and the valuation. It all looks great. And that's when I go to the chart. And then I say, well, um, is the chart agreeing with my fundamental analysis? And if I can see some nice momentum, I'm happy to buy in. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing a very, very range bound, very flat looking chart. So it's not something that's screaming to me that everybody else is thinking the same way and they're falling over themselves to buy it. Not only that, people who own the shares, they don't want to sell it because they're thinking the same way as well. Um, so where am I at this? I'm not sure. I don't think, well, I'm, look, quite obviously, um, if I... If I can't buy it, I'm a zero risk position. That means I wouldn't have any of my money invested in it. Um, does that mean a sell? Possibly. So let's go sell on this one. Okay. Is, is my memory serving me correctly? Is this the one that's um, got a very small portion? Uh, the major shareholder owns a big chunk of it. Is that this one? Might be another stock uh, that I'm getting. Maybe I'm getting confused. Could be with the yeah, look, I, I, I don't yeah. know, but this, these guys have a takeover bid for Pacific Current. That's why they've been right. in the news very recently. Okay. okay. Sorry, Ben, what were you saying? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they do. They've got a guy called Raw Jane who runs it. Yeah. Um, and it might be Pinnacle you're thinking of no, as well. No, it wasn't Pinnacle. No, it's another no. one. I get Yeah, their head fund manager. Um, is the major shareholder mm -hmm. and um, he's to date he has done an extraordinary job in terms of performance he's been one of the only global managers I've seen who has consistently performed and 
this business has got net inflows. It's $100 billion plus in fund these guys have got. Um, mm-hmm. Net inflows, um, performance fees are flowing. And, you know, these businesses, when they work, they like dynamite, you know, mm. the capital light, the margins are extraordinary, et cetera, et cetera. I think the reason this has really range traded, despite what it's been, I think, really good news since they floated, has been what's happened with Magellan. I think because um, Magellan used to trade on 30 times earnings. Mm. I think this is on like 10 or 12. And um, uh, I, I think the market's yeah. jaded in terms of investing in these business. They, they've all come off. And... Um, if you're going to buy one at the moment, this is probably the one because um, everything is pointing higher. But th- there's been a PED rating. These these businesses typically would trade on 20 times forward earnings. Mm. Um, and this is probably trading on half that. So it's cheap. Everything earnings-wise is pointing in the right direction. I'm just not sure. Like I just think what happened with Hamish at Magellan, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> So you're basically saying you've got a a sort of owner major driver risk to the business potentially. Right. And I think that used to be seen as a positive, you know, a heavily invested, (laughs) um, heavily driven founder was what you want. That was what we like to see in a business. But what Magellan showed us is it can also be a, a threat because if something goes wrong with that person, um, things can going to reverse very Tesla rapidly. Tesla springs to mind. Tesla, well, yeah, but if something happened to Elon, people would still go out and buy Teslas. Yeah, that's I think. true. That's Whereas true. if something happens to Jane, yeah. the amount of money that will be instantly right. pulled out of his funds, will it'll go right. from 100 to 50 in six months. So mm. it's um, there, therein lies the issue. So I'd, I'm going to say hold, mm-hmm. long answer to the question. Um, I think it probably is a buy, but I don't know in the near term if these businesses are going to go back to trading the way they used to it's trading on a massive yield of uh, perspective yeah. all the like the i'm seeing 9.9 percent, yeah. which is ridiculous oh, i reckon it? that's probably right it's yeah. probably fair yeah. yeah wow it's yeah mm. that's that's a big return even if it, the share price doesn't go up but Absolutely. i guess you have to it's like quest- a coal miner <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of looking at it <laughs> well they're big yields but you know like i know i know the, they the, are. The, the the ironic thing about this is this business has not put a foot wrong since yeah, it came onto the market I know, but and it's the market hasn't given it the credit yeah. yeah okay fair enough fair enough okay but the seventh stock technology one ticker code tne picked by jamie well this has been a success story and uh carl does the uh momentum the candles anything look good to you mm, not really no and, um, yeah i know but I'm, sure rudy, I'm, I'm sure rudy is uh is, is screaming at his um screen right now uh but yeah look i think this has got some problems and ben uh, you mentioned a, a, a phrase in the last one about a ped rating and maybe that's what we're seeing here with Technology One. It's had such a, a huge um, PE premium because of the quality that it is. And I'm not here to dispute the quality at all, Rudy. I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, and it is, you know, for people that don't know what they do. So it's enterprise resource planning software. What the hell does that mean? Well, it's just basically anything you need to do within your business uh, to keep the business rolling, it does. So uh, I'll I'll, I'll reel off some stuff here. Business analytics, corporate performance management, whatever that means, enterprise asset management, uh, human resource payroll, planning, um, 
supply chain management, timetabling and scheduling. It's just all the stuff you need to do. So it is an essential piece of kit for your local um, governments in particular is where their, their, main, uh, their main revenue source is. And I saw a stat here um, from the company saying about uh, two uh, thirds or three quarters of Australians actually live in a, in a local government jurisdiction that uses TNE. How about that? Um, but also uh, education, uh, uh, infrastructure management, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So look, a very good piece of kit, a very essential software as a service, uh, great margins. It's had great growth. The track record is exemplary. You cannot fault it. And their outlook is still very, very good. And if you look at the growth, we've talked about some stocks uh, so far that really have very poor growth outlooks. Going forward, again, Thomson Reuters numbers, these aren't mine, but we're talking about I've lost it here. I'm going to find it here. Up 16% compound annual growth rate um, for the next four financial years. And the market will typically grow its earnings at sort of 7 or 8%. Okay, So you're getting double the market's growth, but you're paying for that back in the PE. So you're not paying the market PE, which is about 15. You're paying based upon what they should earn by a September, uh, uh, September 23, which is their end of financial year, 48 times. Okay, and that's substantial. Um, I've got it at fair value because I respect the fact that there is a premium in here, and and that uh, and my target PE, which I've used, is thirty eight point eight. So I sort of say, this is where I, this is what I could pay, and then I discount the current back to what I could pay to to determine what it is in terms of fair value. I think it's fair value. The broker's target's about six percent higher. They're on a hold. Uh, I'm on a hold. I'm going to go hold on this one. I think you can. I think you can own some of it, but I talk about full risk position. I'm not carrying a full risk position on this. I've got as much as a third. Now, Rudy, if it pushes back towards 16 bucks, I could happily add to that. I could go two thirds. If it starts to push probably towards 16.50, 17, I'd be back in with a full risk position. This is just how my model works. The chart has started to turn around. It is very clear. So I don't want to hold a full risk position, but I want some skin in the game because of the quality and because of that long term trend is still up. Well, there you go. And it is out of cycle, so to speak, in terms of its reporting. Ben? Yeah, I'm going to hold as well. Um, it's one that got away. I've missed this one uh, and sort of often look back and think I should have looked at it harder. Um, great management team, great quality business, great quality of earnings. Um, the reason I'm at a hold, um, echo some of Carl's comments there, valuation is one like um, this is an Australian business. Ultimately, it's not a business that I think is likely to grow offshore. So although it's growing consistently and beautifully, it's a smaller market that it can grow. Like the total of the TAM, as everyone says, you know, is, is limited. Um, and I would also say just in the short term, as I understand it, the last three years, what you've seen is them roll their customers off term-based mm. licensing onto into a true SaaS yeah. model. Yeah. And I think the run that you've seen in the last couple of years is a lot of it is attributed to the recognition of the higher quality earnings streams, but that has largely played out now. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think you've got any more PE expansion. It's the earnings that have got to do the work from here, which I'd probably be pretty confident they will, but I don't think you're going to have a year or two like last year going forward. So hard to critique this business. It's it's really delivered. Um, I just wouldn't be buying it at this point. Fair enough. And uh, our eighth stock is Cube Holdings. Very different one. QUB, picked by Theo. So, Carl, Cube. 
Yeah, uh, they reported today as well. Only had it uh, obviously so busy they at the did. moment. Didn't have yeah, it didn't have a chance to really look at it. But it looks like it's roughly in line. Uh, and again, a, a great set of numbers on the face of it. So underlying revenue up sixteen percent, EBITDA up twenty seven percent, NPAT up nineteen percent. So any time you're talking about high double digits. I get excited. I mean, that's the sort of growth I want to see in the businesses uh, that I want to own. Um, but all roughly in line with expectations. Um, you know, look, Ben, I just not want to cover very closely, to be honest. For viewers that don't know what they do, it's a logistics uh, mm. company, uh, mainly mainly in Australia um, in terms of um, agricultural and forestry products. Uh, very small exposure to mining. They've got some um, was it manufacturing exposure there as well. I'll let look. I'll let Ben talk to the fundamentals. He probably will know it better than me. The technicals don't look great, and that's the big problem for me. So you can see the chart it's very sideways it's um probably a very polarizing stock in terms of people loving it versus hating it and that's why you end up in the middle so if i can't see that consensus if i can't see the market like everybody the buy side the sell side all agreeing it's a great company um then why would i be involved so i'm i i, I, I zero risk position i can't find a reason to own this i'm going to go sell okay fair enough ben Logistics. Yeah, it has it has really gone sideways, but I, I, I think this is a good quality. So I, I'd class it more as an infrastructure business than logistics mm-hmm. because it owns the physical assets. So it's the old Patrick's assets. Yeah, it? so it owns um, you know the 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 rail line that connects um, Botany up mm. up to um, up the coast. It owns the port. Um, so that the old Patrick Stevedoring assets and Asiano assets. Um, it owned a huge land bank out in. Um, Southwest Sydney at Moorbank, mm-hmm. uh, where they built this enormous um, f- um, uh, property where uh, distribution centres could swap par- mm. packages. And the advantage is if you want to be in last mile, um, so if you want to get your package, JB Hi Fi, from our centre to a store or to a household as quickly and as cheaply as possible. You, you, your, your assets need to be in very strategic areas, which Cube owns. Um, in the short term, I think there has been a slowdown in freight, and this is a bit of a volume play. So, you know, if you've got more packages going through their networks, they get paid more. And we, we're all hearing about, you know, the retailers destocking inventory and, and these kind of things. So I think that's been a part of it. And the other part of Cube's business is they're a competitor to Graincorp. So mm-hmm. they own a lot of the property assets that the wheat and, you know, sort of the um, agricultural assets go through. And um, that's in a pretty good spot at the moment because that's a volume play as opposed to a, a price play. So I'm going to go buy on Cube because I think Carl's right. It hasn't done a lot for a lot, a lot of years. But these assets, if you went to market to sell them, mm. um, I think... Would get a premium. Yeah, you yeah. get good value for them. Yeah, yeah. Probably something that uh, some of those big pension funds yeah. would like. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're irreplaceable. No yeah. one is going to go and build another port. There is nowhere to have it on the east coast of Australia like Botany. So Indeed. And, yeah. Okay. Now we are going to move on to our ninth stock, which did shoot the lights out. It's Altium, A-L-U, with their results, picked by Joe. So if we had some that sold off after the results, this one from memory was up uh, 25%, I think, Carl? It was. Uh, Look, the result was at the top end of expectations, but it didn't exactly 
blow it out of the water. So mm. 96 million earnings versus the range that was um, guided was 88 to 98. So certainly top end, but it was mainly their um, their outlook, their guidance, mm. which really pleased the market. So um, looking for an, another 22% growth in earnings. Um, they said they're going to get uh, sort of 10 to 15% subscriber growth. Uh, they noted that um, they put on a bunch of uh, new customers. You know, the, the who's who of, uh, of, uh, of of big corporate enterprises: Tesla, SpaceX, uh, Volvo, Meta. Um, for people that don't know what they do, it's um, a software application that helps you design your printed circuit boards. Mm. Lots of talk at the moment about uh, AI and, and and lots of excitement about AI shares. Well, um, you know, did much of. Um, uh, what, the, what this revolution is going to entail is it's going to be designing, you know, you, you could, at some point there's somewhere designing the circuit board that the AI sits sits upon. So look, in that regard, maybe you could say it's also in a very sexy area of the market and that never hurts the share price either. Um, in terms of the valuation, I came up with a fair value target of 51.70. So it mm. still looks cheap to me. 12% uh, upside, that's completely at odds with the brokers. Uh, the broker's price target, again, Thomson Reuters, not mine, 41.63. So brokers think it's 10% overvalued, but I suspect we're still waiting to see some of those broker upgrades come through. That's all that is. They're just, they just haven't responded. This is why the big broking industry works here in Australia, probably around around the world as well, is if the price jumps, they have to raise their price target so they don't look completely out of whack mm. or completely wrong. So I expect those broker price targets will start to rise. But it's the growth that I really love here. Again, I'm looking for businesses that are growing their earnings that are expected to do so and at a reasonable price. 23% earnings growth, compound annual growth rate over the next three FYs is amazing. You are paying for it though, 40, uh, 60 times FY23 earnings. But if you get that growth, it, it's going to bring that down very quickly. So I don't mind it on the business side. I don't mind it on the valuation side side. The chart, I think, looks very good now. Certainly looks a lot better than it did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm a happy holder. Some people might look at this and go, I can't own it now. It's gone up too much. Um, I think that's a completely faulty way of looking at it. It's gone up for very good reason. What I really love about the chart is that huge gap the, and, and then the, the high close uh, on the date reported. And we've seen such a small little pushback. Again, Economics 101, Illumina, we got told when price goes down, people demand more. That's not what happens in the stock market. We also got told when price goes up, uh, people supply more and they demand less. That's not, that is not how it works in the stock market. The price has gone up, it's gone up astronomically, and yet there is still incredible demand for this stock. Mm -hmm. It is hot, it's holding those gains. Why? Because it is quality and people expect it to continue to go up. At the same time, the price has gone up, people aren't selling, Danielle. Mm. Why aren't they selling? They're not selling. The price has gone up. They're supposed to be selling, yet they're not selling because it's a good company. So I'm an absolute hold here. Okay. If you don't have any, I have no problems even adding to the portfolio at these levels. Fair enough. Ben. Um, yeah, we're not selling. This has been this has been a good one for us. We've been in Altium for eight or nine years now, and um, I've listened to Aram Merkazimi present 20, 30 times over, and he is just a machine. Part computer, I would almost say. And... Um, what he has delivered has been extraordinary. And I think one of the reasons I think, Carl, that the share price has reacted, you know, and I, I agree that the numbers themselves sort of look at, but they set themselves these 2026 aspirational mm. targets back in 2021. And I think most of the brokers looked at it and thought, no way. And it now looks, I reckon they'll hit them in 2025. Mm. And he did that when we first got onto the stock, which was in 2015, they set 2020 mm. targets. And 
Um, this, as opposed to technology one, not that I'm pointing fingers yeah. at that, this is a, a truly global business yeah. that is revolutionizing the electronics industry. And if what they, if, the, if they achieve what their plan is, this business is going to be worth a lot more down yeah. the track. Um, and again, with Tech One, this business is in the earlier stages of rolling its clients from term to SaaS. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think you're starting to see this multiple expansion. And as Aaron was saying on the call, that we, they now have businesses approaching them saying that we want to embed Altium 365 across our entire organization. Mm -hmm. And that is what our um, platform will be to um, roll out. And once that happens, that this is what's happened with WiseTech, that yeah. customer will not leave. Exactly. And, so, and, and it means that the customers they deal with are mm. much more likely and it just creates this... Um, Flywheel almost. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm going to buy. Cool. I, I, I think it still looks like a buy with a long-term view, might pull back. But, you know, businesses that outperform, that deliver better than expected numbers in earnings season, typically they will be higher in three to six months' time. Indeed. That's almost a double buy there, I think we could almost say. No, I'm a buy. I'm a cool. buy. Yep. Cool. Great. Okay. Let's crack on quickly. Uh, five minutes to go to the last stock, Flight Center FLT, picked by Michael. Now, we all know about revenge travel. And uh, uh, my question is, have we YOLO'd ourselves into travel exhaustion, Carl? Ah, <laughs> uh, look. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, look, I, I can't see the next 12 months being as crazy as the last 12 months and probably the, the same could be said for the 12 months after that. So um, does that mean um, that the party is over for Flight Centre? Uh, look, and I'll do this quickly because I think we're running out of time. Uh, I think the chart still is, is very strong. Um, I think you can own some of it, but I wouldn't be holding a full risk position here just because of the way it's traded uh, since the 31st of July, where we're starting to see a bit of a pullback. So I think you, you've, you've, you've taken some profits off the table. It's one we have been uh, covering very closely uh, in, in my sessions. Um, so I'm going to say two thirds risk position. So I get in in thirds uh, as the stock goes up and I become more confident with it, I buy more of it. If the stock does something I don't like, I get out a bit. If it does something I don't like again, I get out some more until I'm all out. So you've got a two thirds risk position on this for me, which means it's a hold. Um, if it starts to push back towards say 23, 23.50, I could buy some more. If it fell beneath, and I'll give you a number here, if it closes below, say, 21.75, I'd be selling the next third and I'd only have a third left. Okay. Ben, do you like Flight Centre? Quick one for me too. I'm in two minds on this one. It's in an upgrade cycle. I think there is a, a structural change that's happened where we're going back to using travel agents again, which oh, okay. we really moved away from before COVID. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if that lasts. You know, like it, travel's become more complex. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you if you're buying a business class ticket for a work trip or whatever, that the, the, the prices are still elevated and mm. they get a percentage on that. Mm -hmm. And if airline prices do normalize over the next few years, their margins are going to are going to come under pressure. Mm. Um, and I'd also say it's trading on 22 times four. We've owned flights here in the past. And I remember we paid 14 times for mm. it when we bought it. Um, so that to me is high, particularly given it's on elevated, I think probably still elevated earnings. Mm -hmm. So I'll say a hold because I think the earnings momentum does continue for some time, but I think the market has well and truly priced it in. 
Fair enough. Okay, let's quickly run through the second five stocks of the call today. GQG Partners, both experts, great business, $100 billion farm. Uh, but at the end of the day, question marks, why it hasn't been re-rated? Why is it so cheap? Is there a risk in terms of the major owner who is also the very successful fund manager? So Carl, we have a sell on that stock and we have a hold from Ben. Technology One, well, really interesting there. Ben has a hold on that, just makes the point. Great quality business. A lot of the revenue growth um, has been coming from the recognition of the transition to the SaaS model. Uh, equally, Carl thinks it is a, you know, a good quality stock, but the technicals are not looking great. And he is looking at a potential uh, PERD rating, uh, sort of fair value. He'd have a, a possibly an ad if it got to $16 but a hold at the moment. So Cube, really valuable assets there but uh, we have very different views from our experts. So in terms of Carl, we have a sell. The technicals don't look good on this one. And uh, Ben just makes the point, great quality infrastructure business, really important assets that can't be replaced. So a buy on that. Altium, we have a double buy on that one. Really great, great quality business. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Carl has a price target well above the brokers of 50 $51.70 and he would definitely say that you can buy that particularly adding to an existing position and Ben is definitely not selling he's held it for eight to ten years it's a global business uh, revolutionizing in terms of the software needed for global circuit board and uh, a buy as well on that one. Flight Center, well, a lot rolled up into this stock as we've come out of COVID. And uh, although Carl says it's a strong chart, has a two-third position, but really only a hold on that one at the moment. And if it closes below 21.75, he'd be selling the stock. Ben is in two minds because we have seen a shift towards travel agents. They make their money out of a clip on business class tickets, but if prices come down, and you could see that come under pressure. Just feels that the PE expansion in this one from previous times of 14 times up to 22 times is looking a bit expensive. So a hold on that one. Okay, well, that is it for the close today. Thank you so much, Carl and Ben, for joining Ausbiz, joining the call today. Loved your insights. Uh, hopefully you did as well. Anyway, uh, the stocks, any stocks you'd like us to be covered, go to ausbiz.com co forward slash call picks or tweet us or should I say post us at Ausbiz TV and uh, don't go away because there's a lot more coming up after the break as we start The Pulse with Andrew Gagan. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 